gates and ready to go. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow is underway on this Thursday edition. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network, and that includes the YouTube channel. You may be streaming live right now. We hope you'll subscribe while you're there. Just search out Outkick if you're not there already. Uh, you can pound the like button, and you can join Chad in the chat as usual. Jam-packed show today. Trey Wallace of Outkick.com covers college football for us. He joins us in uh, 20 minutes. Uh, Lane Kiffin. Can he beat Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide? We'll start there and go with a variety of college football discussion and topics. Donovan McNabb, host of The Five Spot, uh, new podcast uh, here with OutKick uh, every Tuesday and Friday. He jumps on the show today, uh, coming up at, at exactly one hour from right now. Uh, he'll hit us uh, at the top of hour two. Armando Salguero with the latest across the NFL as well later in the show. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hutton. Excited about this guest list today. And what did I say last week? It's official. Thursday's the start of the weekend. So happy weekend to everyone. Football is here. San Francisco and New York tonight. Yeah. Uh, Thursday night football. We start with our top headline, Scorched Earth, with the uh, NFL and the craziness that are the Chicago Bears. What a day yesterday at Hallis Hall. And the the mystery surrounding details of the abrupt resignation of Bears defensive coordinator Alan Williams, who uh, steps down, points to health reasons, left the team abruptly last week. Matt Eberflus, the head coach, called the defensive plays this past weekend. And the rumors, the reports uh, circulating about uh, the FBI raiding his home, the FBI, the police uh, going to Hallis Hall, the Bears saying that's false, that report's false, they have not been to Hallis Hall. And uh, in, the, in the meantime, reports surfacing uh, through Pat McAfee and others that the FBI did go to the home uh, of Alan Williams. And now we're sit sitting here going, is it health reasons? Because it seems a lot more, a lot deeper than that and, and what they're looking for. And, you know, Peanut Tillman, a former uh, Bears defensive back, he's now uh, in the FBI. Uh, Chad, I don't... The, the lack of detail and the secrecy, the mystery behind it allows everyone to believe there's more to it than just stepping aside for health reasons. Meanwhile, uh, the attorney for Alan Williams, former defensive coordinator of the Bears, is Andrew Stroth uh, and represent him, represents him. He said he was taken aback by some of the rumors and innu innu innuendo circulating through social media about the, the whole situation. And... He declined to say how long he's known Williams, but said Williams is dealing with a health challenge and personal family matters that prompted him to step away. This is bizarre. Yeah, pa Patrick Finley of the Chicago Sun-Times is who had that report directly from the attorney about no FBI rates. This started when a Chicago sports radio talk, talk show yeah. host said that there was a raid not only on Williams' home, but also on Hallis Hall. What is going on here? And said that Peanut Tillman called Eberflus and informed uh, Ryan Poles about it to their general manager. I, I don't think the attorney's lying about that when releasing a statement, right? What would, I mean, they just wouldn't say anything if they didn't want to about any type of FBI raid and now continue to cite health problems with Williams and his family and family issues. Uh, this is an odd story. And I just don't... like. There needs to be some sort of recourse if there is absolutely no truth to a report from a talk show host that the FBI raided his home and raided Hallis Hall. That seems like a pretty important detail to get wrong. 
And the only detail that the Bears are clarifying is the Palace Hall detail of of things. Here is General Manager Ryan Poles uh, discussing this with the media earlier today. Uh, In terms of Allen, uh, I don't have many details to add there. Um, We try to work in truth. um, And I know there's a ton of misinformation out there um, yesterday. Uh, We talked about like Palace Hall being raided. That was completely false. Don't even know where that came from. Uh, Worked with Kevin and George, all of our leadership. Um, to make sure um, we had we were handling it the right way, communicating properly, um, and then obviously everything concluded yesterday. But we have a ton of confidence in our plan moving forward. And not much detail there, but he's only saying that they didn't go to Hallis Hall for any reason yesterday, and that was part of the report. Well, and maybe part of it is the wording here of raiding. You know, the attorney said Hallis Hall wasn't raided, which it, it sounds like nothing happened at Hallis Hall, but also there was no raid on his home. Did authorities go to his home for questioning? Is there something there? Is, are, are we getting into the semantics of what took place? Doesn't that feel like a really big miss to say that happened at both places and then have some yeah. bit of confusion on it? And also, this kind of goes back to a lot of things we've seen in the news lately. We try to deal in truth, as Ryan Pohl said. There's a lot of misinformation out there. The one bit of misinformation that he was willing to clarify was there was no FBI raid on Hallis Hall. Well, then what is going on? Can you, can you tell us about his private residence and what happened there? The attorney saying this. I don't think that the talk show host has backtracked on what he said either. This is just a very, very odd story that I think you know people want to know exactly what's happening. And if there's some sort of health issue and health problem that people keep citing... Yeah, but they, I mean, that's, you wouldn't have a raid for a health issue. Exactly. But they're saying there is no raid. At least, well, there's no, no raid at Hallis Hall. Right. They, and they've said the police were not there. Police and his attorney's not. saying there's no raid at his home. Yeah, but, um, it's, it's bizarre, Chad. The whole thing. I, I don't... It's a weird story, and this all... Look, this is the story now for the Bears, is to, you know, to find out what's happening with the defensive coordinator who just abruptly resigned. But this all coincides with the Bears just looking miserable through two weeks. Awful. And, and Justin Fields being honest and, and, and being, you know, raw with the media. Uh, yesterday, early in the day, where he is putting uh, coaching at the forefront, saying he feels very robotic, uh, that he, he's not, you know, himself uh, within the offense. And all of that is true. And then he in the afternoon comes back and meets with the media and wanted to clarify um, and, and step in and say, like, I'm not calling anyone out. If I'm pointing to anyone, it will always be me. And watching, watching him discuss that, I, I like Justin Fields, uh, the way he comes across there. And that's just, that is PR and who knows who else, agent, who knows going to him and letting him know how the comments came, came across and yeah. how social media was turning. And it's also him getting in the four, getting in front of uh, before the entire locker room just throws in the towel in week three, uh, you have an opportunity to be a leader. And I thought uh, the way he came across trying to uh, hit home the message that he's always going to say that it's on him first and foremost, and he's got to be better. He does. And he's not saying anything that was incorrect about the way this offense has looked and the coaching b- behind it. Uh, I mean, a guy that rushed for as many yards as he did last year has five carries through two games right now. 
that that's malpractice. That that's forcing someone within a pocket that doesn't need to do that, uh, and that's why he feels very robotic. I, I would I would tend to agree with him on that, even though the way the the comments came across were, uh, you know, a shot at the bow of the bear ship. This is also him trying to put out the fire in one apartment when an entire That's building is on fire. And he knows that he set that apartment on fire with his first comments. That leads to even more of what's happening with the bears. And all he did was extinguish the flames in one part of the building. And the rest of the organization is burning down right now. On field, off field with whatever's happening with Alan Williams that no one will say what it is. I wish the right. attorney that's on record about no FBI raid would, would clarify what is happening and why someone would resign so quickly. It's a mess. Total mess in Chicago right now. And and Justin Fields simply knows that he stepped in it a bit well, and it's going to look worse with everything else going on, so he tried to backtrack. And I apologize. I've been scrolling trying to find this tweet because McAfee tweets a ton. Um Three hours ago. Yesterday was a bad day for the Chicago Bears. Our sources have told us that an FBI raid did happen on Alan Williams' house. So, I mean, they, you have a lot of different, not just opinions, reports about this. And there doesn't seem to be much clarity. Because the Bears are clearly in this, Chad, they are separating themselves from Williams. The minute that it was uh, the resignation was announced, he's not on the team website. He wasn't with the team this past weekend. He stepped away. Players prior to uh, the, the news coming out yesterday around 3 p.m. local time called this unsettling and extremely, uh, uh, extremely weird. Yeah, that, I would agree with that uh, based on what's gone on within the organization. Yeah, I don't want to get too inside baseball on how stories are covered or how you know, journalism works, but I feel like there's ways to find out from the FBI side of this if his home was raided by the well, FBI. According to the reports, they... Peanut Tillman, I mean, he works for the FBI, yes. and the reports where he informed told the Bears the Bears about this. I mean, neighbors. Me I mean, I, I just like I don't live in Chicago. I don't cover that beat, but I think that we could probably get to the bottom of this if we tried hard enough. I'm surprised but, more information has not come out yet, and instead we have Pat McAfee, a Chicago sports talk radio host. Peanut Tillman, others yeah. claiming there was an FBI raid on his home. Meanwhile, Ryan Poles will say there was no raid on Hallis Hall, but said nothing about his home. And then his own personal attorney is claiming no truth whatsoever to a raid on Hallis Hall or his home. What is the truth? I think you're going to have to go away from Alan Williams and the Bears to get to that truth, is my point. There's got to be a and way to find out from the authorities on what's going on. And meanwhile, the Bears are just trying to move forward and avoid the 0-3 start. They're playing Kansas City. Quote from polls to reporters, to hit it straight, to hit it straight on, we've, we have adversity right now. Slow start, 0-2, not where you want to be. We've dealt with life issues. We've dealt with injuries, and that's all real. And that's a, a part of what we have to do and what we've got to deal with. The beautiful thing about our philosophy here, our organization, we're solution-oriented. We work together to find these solutions to solve our problems to get everything back on track. To make, to make it really, really clear, I know the outside noise, but no one in our building is panicking. No one is flinching at any situation. It's not our owner, president, head coach, not myself, none of our players. Yeah, that's uh, okay. wishful thinking. Great. Wishful thinking. Let's see what happens when you're 0-3, and then uh, all this comes to light. I, I think it's time for whoever does the crime beat in Chicago to coordinate with the Bears beat 
and try to figure out and get to the bottom of this because there's a way to get with the FBI and figure out whether or not any of this is true. Yeah. And, and, and I don't think they're doing a very good job of it right now. People are digging, though. And you know Rappaport and, and Schefter will be digging. The NFL will be digging on this. Well, I think, but I think what needs to happen is they're going to dig with their NFL sources, right? I, someone needs to dig with the FBI sources. That, that, that's the angle See, that's going to expose this. I, 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 and this is just the, the perception of how I – the fact that everyone's being so quiet tells me that there's more to this, like, behind the scenes that no one wants to really talk about right now. They're letting the authorities handle it. If, in fact, there's an FBI raid, they're not going to be the reason – that people are going to quote their, you know, uh, their knowledge of the situation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, let's 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 hope someone does their job and figures it out. There's going to be someone that figures it out. The Browns bringing back Kareem Hunt. Meanwhile, Cam Akers has a new home in Minnesota. He could not find that middle ground with the Rams, so they sent him packing. Minnesota brings him in. Uh, they're swapping 2026 draft picks. That's per uh, Adam Schefter. And the, the offensive system, different in Minnesota than what he's, he's just played in under McVay, although McVay and O'Connell certainly have those ties. And Minnesota, who just got rid of Dalvin Cook for Alexander Madison, Madison's coming off a poor performance, and certainly he's been in the headlines based on the response from Vikings fans to him on social media. Uh, a small group of Vikings fans uh, that was absurd and uh, just, I mean, awful. They now bring in Acres to help uh, what can be now a dual threat option out of the backfield for Minnesota's offense and Kirk Cousins. They were going more pass anyway, but they can't just abandon the run and rely on solely Alexander Madison. Now yeah. Acres comes in and has a chance to really prove that he was in the wrong system. I know it's two games, and we've seen teams recover from you know zero and two to start the year. It feels desperate already. It feels like desperation times for Minnesota, making this move, but also knowing this is your last go with Kirk Cousins. There's no waiting in the wings type quarterback candidate in Minnesota for who's going to be next. They shouldn't be awful at any point this year, so you're not going to draft really high in next year's draft. It's a uh, Sort of a boom or bust type deal, and they got to turn it around immediately. So I, I don't, I'm not saying it's you know complete panic button time yet for the Vikings, but you're probably a game or two away from that being the case. And this feels like a team that's saying we have to do something to get something out of this final year with a good quarterback in Kirk Cousins, knowing he's not the long term answer. So let's trade for Acres and see if we can make it happen that way. And I don't think that's going to be the move that turns the Vikings into the champion of that division. No, but it, it does. That division, though, it, is winnable. They could be adequate at the position. Yeah. They're definitely not the worst team in the division based that's on the right. first team we opened Scorched Earth with. Yes, With the right. Bears. So how good are the Packers? Look good against a really bad Bears team. Yep. Gave up a big lead against Atlanta in week two. Lions are one and one. I mean, it's not... Again, not panic button time, but this feels like a sort of a desperate move for the Vikings. Oh, this is loser, loser leaves town scenario for the Vikings and Chargers matchup this weekend. Losers at 0-3 and staring down 
you know, some competition they're likely not able to catch up with, especially with the way they're losing. Close games, tight window ball games that they're not coming up with the big plays for. Uh, Chad, coming up, can Ole Miss come up with the big plays to beat Alabama? They haven't had that in the past with Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. But this seems like a different confidence level with Kiffin this week. Meanwhile, confidence is down in Nick Saban's program. We'll lead off there, but there's plenty of great matchups. Six top 25 matchups throughout the weekend. Trey Wallace weighs in on those straight ahead. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network rolls on. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Eha Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Coming up in 40 minutes, Donovan McNabb will join us, plus Armando Salguero. Right now, we say hello to Trey Wallace, Outkick's senior college football reporter, who joins us here on the show. Trey, good to see you, man. Guys, good afternoon. Massive, uh, a massive weekend of college football uh, coming up. Can't have people sitting on the side saying it's going to be lame on Saturday. Uh, Ohio State, Notre Dame, we'll get to that in just a moment. Um, Lane Kiffin, though, it's a different vibe with him uh, coming off the field after the win this past weekend where he's like, yeah, I guess we got to go to Tuscaloosa and, and face Nick Saban. What do you think about this matchup? And is it, if not now, when? If, if, if not now, to go in and win, when will Lane Kiffin do that against Saban? Lane Kiffin, you know, Jonathan, better quarterback situation, better running back situation. In my opinion, uh, offensive line, better spot than Alabama is in which right is now. Which is crazy. Which is, yeah, and it, and it is wild. You know, I was going through the stats and I was, you know, writing that article for yesterday, and it is wild. It is it is crazy to think that Alabama is is underneath that Ole Miss level at certain spots at, at right now heading into this matchup, but that's just how it is. I mean, Jackson's dark. You know, if, if he goes in there and just plays his game, you know, this is something where – you know, you, you also can run the football in Alabama, and I'm I, and that's saying a lot. But I'm saying you have the tools to do it. Like, look, look, they haven't won in Tuscaloosa since 2015, but Ole Miss comes into Tuscaloosa on Saturday with, in my opinion, a better opportunity to win. And 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 I agree with you on the if not if win situation because I don't know if you're going to find Alabama in a situation like this in the future and who knows what the future entails, but I'm saying right now where you're in a better spot when it comes to offensive pieces of the puzzle that have not been the case in years past. And, and, and I agree with you, Lane Kiffin has done his best on social media this week to, to, to kind of poke the bear a little bit. Uh, he did it with the Kevin Steele comments on Sunday saying Kevin Steele's really not the defensive coordinator anymore. Tavares Robinson is the defensive coordinator. Uh, and Nick Saban's done this secretly. Um, so he, 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 he's poking and he, and I, and I think that they know in Tuscaloosa that they have got, um, a situation on their hands when it comes to how to contain, um, you know, Jackson dart. What do you do at the wide receiver spot? You saw where the secondary got beat up against Texas, you know, for Alabama. So this, this is, this is the perfect opportunity for Ole Miss to do this. And for Lane Kiffin, you know, I, I was trying to go back and think of, you know, what is a signature win for Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss? And, and I, I, I could go, you know, maybe one or two games, you know, enticed me a little bit to kind of put that in that category, but Saturday could be the game. 
And and I think that's a lot of pressure on Ole Miss, a lot of pressure on Lane Giffen. But, you know, if if they go out and do what I know they can do on the offensive side of the ball, it could be an interesting game for Alabama when it comes to that fourth quarter, Jonathan. It's a really big week outside the SEC. We'll get into some of those games. But one just broad SEC question for you, Trey. Certainly yeah. feels like the league is down this year as opposed to last year. I think 2022 Tennessee could win the SEC in 2023 and maybe the national championship if you put that team in this season. And that was a team that did not make the playoff or the SEC championship game a year ago. My question is, who's the most likely to improve as the season goes on and put themselves in position? I'll give you a candidate, LSU, who looked awful in the second half against Florida State this year and looked damn near perfect in Starkville on Saturday for 60 minutes. Is that a team with a talent and Brian Kelly's ability? We saw him a year ago. That team got better as the year went on. Can they make a run and be a national player this year? You know, I, 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 I want to put LSU in that category, but I want to see them go against an offense that's actually going to do something. That's not the same Mississippi State team. That Mississippi State team with with Will Rogers, that is not what we saw last season. I mean, this was this was a team where Will Rogers threw the ball 17 times coming into that matchup against LSU. You saw what happened. I don't know if it's much of LSU is doing on defense, but Mississippi State, that, that's a whole other situation to, to go down the road. They don't have the offense. So let me see something out of LSU you know, the, the changes in my mind. How do you do against KJ Jefferson this weekend? Um, you know, without Rocket Sanders at Arkansas, it's going to be pretty tough, you know, for, and there, look, but yeah, folks in Fayetteville that are agitated with Sam Pittman right now. I think the guy even went and deleted his Twitter account uh, the other night, if I'm not mistaken. So I don't know how things are going in Fayetteville, but I look at a squad and, and okay, you're going to ask me, who do I think can make progress? I want to say Texas A and M, man. Like I do. Like Connor Weigman is is playing good football, in my opinion. Not great, good football. They've got it along the defensive line front. They've got it on the offensive side of the football, but it's can they actually put it all together? I mean, you, you know, you got Hugh Freeze coming to town this weekend. Could be a very interesting time for the Aggie secondary. If you freeze can dial up a couple long passes and maybe get, you know, maybe get a 10 point lead or something like that against Texas AM. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but look at the Aggies right now as a team that continue to probably get better here as the season goes on. They better hope so. Jimbo better hope so if he wants to keep his job. Um, and then, you know, I don't disagree with you about the LSU thing. I think LSU is going to get better because they have the running backs to do it. They've got Jay Daniels to do it on the defensive line. They can do it. You know, and if you ask me out of the East, man, you know, I, I, Tennessee is this Tennessee offense is nothing like what we saw in 2022. They don't trust Joe Milton right now, in my opinion, uh, to go deep. Um, and you're looking at a situation where, you know, I don't think Florida is that good. Um, I mean, Kentucky, it's Georgia's to lose again. It's Georgia's to yeah. lose. And, 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 and here's the first opinion. If we see Georgia's offense play the way that they did against South Carolina um, over the course of the next six to seven weeks, I do think that there's a game Georgia will drop. I don't know who that team's going to be, but somebody's going to catch them napping like we saw in Athens this past weekend. And it took Kirby Smart chewing their ass out at halftime to finally get them clicking into that game. So, you know, we're, we're going to see, but I think it all comes out of the West, Chad. 
Trey Wallace with us. Trey, the, the, the week four matchups feature eight games between three and O teams. Uh, one of those is Ohio State against Notre Dame. And Sam Hartman completing 71% of his passes, 13 touchdowns, no interceptions. He's playing great. Uh, he's the factor, but also can Notre Dame out-physical Ohio State? That's how Michigan beats them. Is that the formula on Saturday in South Bend? Uh, it's going to come down to that offensive line. If they can establish a running game and give Sam Hartman enough time to pass that football around, I, I personally think Notre Dame wins this football game Saturday night. I, I just, I, you know, as much as Ohio State can try to do with Harrison Jr. and whatnot, I, I feel like right now this is the game that Notre Dame can take advantage of Ohio State. And if you get personal on that offensive line, you get aggressive, you know, you, you, you know, you get three, four yards on a carry, you know, this is where this, the separation comes and we get a full look at Ohio state. Like, I think I know what Notre Dame is going to be this year. I, I think with, you know, after three games and watching Sam Hartman throw the football around and then rush the ball, I feel like I've got a good eye at Ohio state. We really don't know yet what 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 you have as a whole McCord a quarterback and then okay what do they do at the linebacker position like a lot of questions going into this one but as a whole Saturday night South Bend primetime television you know they're gonna have a green out I, I was told like everything lines up for Notre Dame and Sam Hartman and Marcus Freeman to get a massive win on a big old stage Saturday night but it's all about giving him time in the pocket to throw the football. And it's like you said, who's going to be out physical? Who, who Who's going to take advantage of the, the line of scrimmage? And in my opinion, I think that's going to be Notre Dame after watching both teams over the last couple of weeks. going to be fun. Yeah, it will be. It will be. To the, to the West Coast, the USC Trojans, their media relations team, and Coach Lincoln Riley suspended a beat reporter for uh, writing a, a story based on a, a non-media availability comment that was made by a freshman to another freshman about how they were nervous and speaking to the media. Uh, this reporter even called the, the, the guy's father who laughed and said, yeah, it's, it, it's accurate and I find it funny. Uh, USC didn't, and it's the exact opposite of the way we would see Colorado handle uh, a media uh, request, story, access, anything like it. Why does uh, this surprises me about Lincoln Riley? I spoke with six SIDs yesterday across the country, sports information directors for people out there who don't know SIDs. It's not your fault, but just whatever. I asked each one of them based on that article and based on that comment, would you suspend a player? All of them said no. And these are SIDs at power five schools. I've got relations with that. I just asked straight up. This is embarrassing on a lot of different standpoints. There's a lot of stuff that goes on at these media gatherings that, that people don't know because they don't get a behind the scenes look and it's not their fault. You know, we all have the walk and talk with a coach after the press conference ends, you know, as they walk out of the room and they're walking towards, you know, the locker room or whatnot. We all talk to players, you know, not at their locker room or anything like that, but they might be around the building or they might be walking in or something like that. In today's day and age of NIL, you can't stop these players from talking, man. Like all I, yeah. all I would have to do, Jonathan is 
email somebody that represents a USC player. And if I wanted them for an interview, you know, I could line that up. You know, we'd figure out a way. Here's the thing that bothers me about this whole situation. The young man was an earshot of the reporters. So here's the media backdrop right here. And then here are the players. And all the media is wrapped around it right here. You can hear what these guys said. And by the way, it was nothing out of the you know, yeah, it was out harmless. Of the ordinary. Yeah, it wasn't bad it was at all. Harmless comment. And you know why they're pissed off? I'm going to tell you why USC's pissed off and they did this and they felt like they needed to suspend the reporter. It's because of this statement. Did they tell you what to say? And if people don't understand that SIDs and their jobs for these freshman players and even older players is to give them some bullet points where they're not nervous where they go in front of the media because these kids are are learning on the fly about how to handle themselves. But the SID at USC decides, well, you know what? I don't like the way that this, this young reporter who's just learning his way you know, got that story. And I don't like the, you know, did they tell you what to say? It's not like Lincoln Riley was trying to tell the young man how to promote the football program. It wasn't like the SID was trying to tell this kid what not to say. It was two players interacting a little nervous with each other. Hey, you know, they tell you what to say, you know, I'm kind of nervous. And then they got the father on the phone for the interview, which I thought made it even better. It humbled these players during a time where coaches tried their damnedest to keep everything in wraps into a facility. And it's no wonder that people are checking out sometimes on what goes on a national level. I find it embarrassing by USC. I'm proud of Arizona state for saying, Hey, we'll credential you this week in Tempe. And then by the way, they got to go to Colorado next week where we will be at Outkick will be at. And I've been told that Colorado is most likely going to credential the young man as well. Good. So this, this two week suspension is a sham, and USC should be ashamed of themselves. Well said, Trey. Speaking of Colorado, we've got about a minute left. What kind of chance yeah. do you give the Buffs going on the road without Travis Hunter to knock off Oregon and continue to shock everyone? I mean, look. Do if you I believe? don't say, do you believe, I, Trey? That's not asking. Look, do you believe? Look, do you believe? I, I believe in some things, but I also believe in Bo Nix and Dan Lanning and Oregon Ducks, and I think they're a damn strong football team. And I think this is a squad that on both sides of the football have better players. I'm not saying Shador is not a top quarterback with Bo Nix. I'm talking about in the trenches, and I'm talking about at wide receiver. That's where Oregon's got the advantage. You take Travis Hunter out of the situation as well, guys. This could lead to something. It's not. I don't want to say humbling, but I'm saying I could see Oregon winning by 17 to 20 points on Saturday and Bo Nix having a big game. It's just a lot to overcome, but it doesn't take away from what Dion and them are doing. I just think the Oregon Ducks are a darn strong football team, and I think Colorado's probably about to feel that wrath. Uh, Ten seconds, but let's go roundtable. Uh, if Colorado upsets Oregon, they're 19th in the country oh. right now, they, they would have upset the 10th-ranked team. How high are they in the poll next week? Top 10. They are – they are top 10, probably number nine in the country, heading into a massive matchup yep. with another top 10 team in USC. And you thought Boulder's been nuts the last three weeks? Damn, wait till next week. Yep. <laughs> that, and again, uh, top it, 10 versus top 10. If one happens. more win, and they're in the top 10, and they are a national title contender. That's the storyline there, because they're in the top 10 within, with, within uh, range of the college football And playoffs. within range of October. I mean, we were almost into October at that point, and they're in the top 10, and we're talking college football playoff. It's and remarkable. Real quick, we've seen them do some crazy things, guys. 
I, I nothing. It, it would be crazy if they wanted Oregon, but I'm just saying, Deion Sanders has got away. I'm just, I, I'm not saying they're going to win. Just whatever. I'm surprised by TCU, you. that's for sure. Trey, thank you so much, man. We love the work, and we'll be following it this weekend. Thanks, guys. Have a great Thanks, weekend. Trey. Thank you. So Appreciate much. you, Trey Wallace, Outkick.com, to read uh, his great work covering college football. When we come back, NFL Eliminator picks plus a tropical storm that's impacting Week Three NFL games. Coming up in 20 minutes, Donovan McNabb joins us on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Join Chad in the chat as part of that on YouTube. Search out Outkick. Hit subscribe. Hop in. Chad will respond. He's on fire yesterday. It's uh, it's going well today, too. Chad's been great for about a week and a half. That's good. Not that it Steady. wasn't good before that. I'm just, it's, it's, the profile has been raised. We've had, an, uh, in the words of you two, an elevation. We've had an elevation in our level of chat. Good. We're growing. Great song, by the way. Very underrated U2 song. Uh, So uh, there's a tropical cyclone that seems to be uh, tracking for a direct hit Sunday to three games uh, that will affect uh, the the NFL slate. Right now it's Washington and Buffalo, Baltimore and Indianapolis. That's uh, in Baltimore. And the Jets taking on the Patriots. Um, Typically... This is uh, Miami Dolphins' uh, time to be hit with a deluge of rain and storm. And for years, I've just ripped into the league with scheduling because the first two weeks of the season, the Dolphins have been home, and those games are notoriously postponed, delayed, uh, moved up. And they got it right. The Dolphins were on the road the first two weeks of the season. They're back home, and and luckily for them, this isn't going to hit them. This is going to hit the East Coast. Um, yeah, so be, be on the lookout there if you're a, a fan of any of these teams or just trying to uh, play in your fantasy rosters or whatever. But this, this could really impact what they want to avoid. And this happened with the snowstorm what, two years ago in Buffalo. Yeah. Uh, they don't want fans out in the weather, the diehards who are going to go to the game and out on the roads driving and the potential for an accident and you know other, uh, other things. So... Uh, I, I totally understand that. Well, they in Buffalo, with the I remember it was, it was a big uh, – they didn't want their emergency resources stressed with having to cover a game also and people on the roads that yeah. could cause issues. Well, But, they, but you, that's another big part of but this. But you also was, had people snowed in that were having yeah. problems. They didn't want any of the medical staff at the, at the stadium instead of out helping right. others. Um, and, and in this case, you just – you know, you hope to get the games in, but it's rolling through Saturday um, up the East Coast and then by Sunday – uh, and into Monday, it'll be uh, in, in the New York area. I wonder how likely it would be to push it back to Monday night. Some of these games. You, could, they had to. you could, but you already have a doubleheader on Monday night again this week. Yeah, I mean, it's not ideal for but you would television. Have to, you're right, you'd have to do that. But, and I mean, when they, they do that, do it's just the local broadcast anyway that they do. The regional yeah. uh, map that they would use that would have that game. Um, unless it's the only game on like a Tuesday and then they pick it up nationally. If Something so to track curious. for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, also tracking the NFC's dominance over the AFC so far this season. The NFC is 6-0 and against the AFC to begin the season. You've got Washington over Denver, San Francisco over Pittsburgh, Dallas over the New York Jets, Saints over the Titans, 
Eagles over the Patriots and the Lions over the Chiefs. And this is for the, the conference that was supposed to be the, the lopsided, the, the bottom half of the top-heavy NFL with all the talent across the board in the AFC. I would say, though, only two real surprises in that batch. That would be Detroit winning at Kansas City on that Thursday night yep. and the Commanders going to Denver. How pissed off is Sean Payton right now? Two winnable opponents at home to open his tenure as the savior of the Broncos, talking all that trash about Nathaniel Hackett from a year ago, and they, and they let two get away. Well, I mean, and they're, it's not because Russell Wilson hasn't looked good. Yeah. He's, he hasn't been the problem. He's been better. Yeah, I mean, he's, you look at his numbers and the efficiency, he's been okay. But they, they've had other issues. And, I mean, they, they went from the middle of the second quarter until that Hail Mary at the end of the game without scoring as that comeback was made by uh, Sam Howell and the, the Washington Commanders. And then they went for two, and there was, a, I mean, there was a pass interference, blatant pass interference that wasn't called. But still, they went dormant for half of that game, and it allowed Washington to get back in and to win it. Yeah, I'm not ready to crown the NFC just yet based on this uh, small slate of games, and most of these were pretty predictable. Now, San Francisco and Dallas look incredible. Yeah. Look at the two best teams in the league. So, it, the the – what does he say, Hutton? Not if you lose, how you lose. Mm -hmm. Going to Pittsburgh and winning 30-7 to in a game that wasn't that close, impressive. Dallas destroying the Giants, then destroying the Jets, impressive with their defense. But I think it's top-heavy. Those two teams are great. Outside of that, you get to a lot of really good quarterback play in the AFC. And I still think the AFC is the, the dominant conference. But we got a full season ahead to try to prove it out and, one way or the other. And how about this? Across all divisions in the NFL, only two divisions have a have one combined loss. Of course, it's the uh, NFC East is one, and the NFC South. Two NFC divisions have one combined loss within their four teams. The NFC South may be the one that's a big surprise. Well, yeah, boy, you've got so uh, Baker Mayfield's two and zero. Yep. Desmond Ritter is two and zero. Derek Carr is two and zero. Um, Sam Howell is two and zero. Let's just throw him in there. Uh, with the, out of the East. Um, and, and meanwhile, the zero and two teams. Bryce Young, zero and two. Yeah, won't get a chance to be zero and three. And you've got um, oh yeah, because he's been ruled out. Yeah, That's right. Andy Dalton's going to start. Zero uh, and two quarterbacks: Burrow, Cousins, Herbert, and Russell Wilson. Burrow's the one that concerning. Some of these it's teams, concern time for Cincinnati because of his health. Uh, we I haven't really gone to the well in the uh, the NFC uh, as I, I well I I should go harder in the NFC when uh, in regards to their start to the season based on these results. I I haven't, but I have at least been consistent through the first two weeks. Chad's got uh, he's back on a roll. Yeah, there's not in but, the I NFL mean, I, eliminator picks. I, I don't believe in any of these teams in the NFC other than the top two. Well, I, think I think some could be pleasant surprises, but I'm not looking at it thinking, oh, this team, the Saints could win the Super Bowl or the Falcons could win the Super Bowl or Baker. I go through the AFC and I think the Ravens could win the Super Bowl. Sure. The Bills could win the Super Bowl. The Dolphins could win the Super Bowl. Team after team after team after team that I could see that scenario. I see two in the NFC that I honestly believe could win the Super Bowl right now. And that's it. And it's the top two. And, uh, I think oh, the Vikings others are going to have – there's going to be some good oh, surprises Vikings, Dolphins, there. Excuse me. It's definitely better than we expected. What about Dallas? But top tier, it is Dallas and San Francisco. But not Philadelphia? Philadelphia, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll add Philadelphia in there as well. So those three. 
Okay. There's just more in the AFC. Better depth. Oh, yeah. The Better but, depth and, of contenders. And banged up, too, with some of the yeah. preseason contenders. Uh, we are eliminating uh, teams one by one as we back them, and then we can't pick them again. With more, here's Davey Hudson. Hey, guys. So, for NFL Eliminator, we move on to week three. And as of right now, Hut, you are 2-0. and I am 2-0. and Chad, bounce back. Barely last week with the Giants winning to go to one and one. Tremendous come from behind victory for Chad Withrow. What was that, Chad? Twenty points. Josh Dobbs almost really screwed things up for me. Guy was remarkable in the first half of that game. Uh, they really screwed things up Daniel for everyone Jones in Arizona. You. That number one pick. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this guy might wreck their plans if they keep playing like that offensively. Uh, but yes, the Giants. I look. I again terrible at predicting things. Good at reacting to things. That that's my mo. It showed again last week when the Giants almost wet the bed. Against the Cardinals. Well, Chad, you have the first pick this week. So I'm trying to save some of these sure. dominant teams that That's I think are Super Bowl contenders for later in the season when they, you know, and, and try to pick some teams and get them out of the way. Like a Minnesota. How did that work out for me? There's a big red X on the screen because they lost. So I'm going to go back to that well. I'm going to go Seahawks. Let's go Seattle. Over Carolina. Carolina without Bryce Young. He's been ruled out. He's not going to start. Guys, I don't know if that's good or bad that Andy Dalton is starting in this game for my chances of Seattle winning this against Carolina. I think it's good starting quarterback out, but I think you're just fine. You got a guy breaking in, uh, Andy Dalton, Big Red. I, you know, maybe he has something going. I feel pretty good about it, but everything I feel good about turns to you know what. And, so I'm not confident. Well, Seattle's coming off of that big overtime win in Detroit. And I did not see that coming after the way they looked against the Rams in week one. Geno Smith. Good lessons in. This is a week-to-week league. And what you get one week could be the complete opposite next week. I hope for my sakes that we get a little bit more of that from Seattle that we saw in Detroit in the second half and overtime of that game. I like your pick. Davey, who's next? Uh, You actually have the second pick this week. So I expected Chad to go with the team I'm selecting, but I understand he's saving them uh, some of the – top contenders for later in the season. It's a but bold strategy, Cotton. Let's am, see if it pays I off I am for taking in week one. the Kansas City Chiefs over the Chicago Bears. Uh, the Bears have called only two design run, run plays for, for Justin Fields this season. Uh, the Bears' defense has allowed 25 or more points in 12 consecutive games. And meanwhile, you have the Chiefs that have been winning games with their defense. Their defense has allowed 23 points in two games. Uh, Fields is certainly able to run all over the field, but for whatever reason, they're not letting him. Give me Kansas City at home after a, a, a win on the road in Jacksonville. The Chiefs are back, and they're about to turn it up. So, Hutt, you're telling me you're picking the defending Super Bowl champs over a team that has lost 12 straight games? I am. Solid, solid I, I th- choice. I think that should work out pretty well for you. Guys, my pick actually happens to be uh, going on tonight. I'm going with the 49ers over okay. the New York football Giants. Let's go Giants. I, I look at the Giants G-Man. and back, right now, baby. you know, the three most important positions in football, your quarterback, your left tackle, protecting your quarterback, and then the guy trying to get to the quarterback on your defense. And right now, uh, the Giants banged up on the left side of the line. Both their starters are out. Andrew Thomas and uh, Ben Bredson, they're gone. And then on the other side, Aziz Ojolari, he is out for the Giants tonight. They don't have – that. Even if they were at full health, they probably aren't going to fare well against the 49ers, let alone the amount of injuries, not even mention their best weapon, which is Saquon Barkley out. So I just see it as an uphill battle. This game is in San Francisco. The Giants have been staying out on the West Coast after playing the Cardinals. It's not going to go well for them tonight. 
give me the San Francisco 49ers. And it is a, I stayed out there when the Titans went to Arizona and then the next week they had San Francisco, but it was the entire week. This, this isn't that bad for New York um, because of the Thursday night game, but it is a long week and a long wait. And especially for players and coaches that have families back on the East coast and you're trying to keep updated with everything. Like it's, it's hectic. Um, but being that it's on a Thursday night benefits the Giants in that regard. Davey, I'm with you, though. I think we have three winners here. Because I, think, I think the Giants are going to build some camaraderie this week, hanging really? out on the West with, Coast. I think this their, is the time they, they really put it together. I'll, without their best running back, yeah. offensive lineman, and they're, edge they're rusher? I, and I'm totally joking. They're not winning. D- Davey's, no, Davey's got to win. You made a good point. Uh, we'll save it for uh, Hutton's one big thing, but I'm curious if you could guess Daniel Jones's record at night. <laughs> Well, if he's playing a night game, it's usually, uh, unless it's a Thursday night throwaway game, which it never is for the Giants, it's usually against a high-profile opponent. Right. So I'm going to guess yeah. really bad. Yeah. I'd say bad to I, fairly I bad. But I will say had, his yeah. last night game ended 40-0. to zero. Yeah. What's Him the on the losing side. They also were pretty good last year, though. They were, but I don't think they had a lot of night games last year in those wins. What's his record, Davey? I will save it for Hutton's one big thing. I don't yeah, want to take it away from it. Okay. Coming up later. Nice. Um, I feel like it's like a, kind of like a summer camp deal. You know, we're all out there. We're out here together. We're staying in five-star resorts uh, out in Arizona together. It's just a, one for all, all for one. We're ready to go. Uh, no one within the organization, any NFL organization, could stay at the casino, but I did. I had my own room down at the Crazy Horse or whatever But you abided by all the rules crazy and horse didn't casino step foot in the casino, the, the right? reservation. What? You, you abided by all rules, didn't step foot in the casino? No, I, I, sta- I stayed there. I got a room. Did you there. have to go around the casino room, or was that did that rule no, not no, apply no. to you? No, no, no. I, I mean, I had you a room. And I, I spent more time in the casino than I did okay. uh, the room. So you violated rules, or is that a rule? No, for I don't. You? I didn't work for the NFL team. Oh, okay, that's good. I was never paid by the team, so I was able to stay and do whatever I wanted. More of a blackjack guy. Did you win? Go play some roulette. I did. I won about uh, twenty three hundred dollars on that trip. Wow. I, I would, I would retire from gambling if I ever won twenty three hundred dollars. That's how bad I am at it. Yeah, but it, I don't think you would because you have the feeling of, oh, I'm on this. It's it's a high. This, this like, man, is a house money now. I got twenty three hundred dollars more. They're printing money right now. Dylan's like, over there like, what's a twenty three hundred dollar par- parlay? Go. I can play for four point seven mil. That's what he's looking for. Seven legs, twenty three hundred dollars on this one. I, I put it all in on that. I've been with uh, others that they when they go into the casino they win. It's crazy, but. They only want to win up to that certain threshold where they don't, you're not taxed on that immediate payout. And unfortunately, they win too much and I lose too much and I get to watch them take the taxes out. I'm e- I can easily walk away when I win a little bit in a casino. Donovan McNabb joins us next. Break down the NFL with him on Hot Mike.